0: Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it on cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a comment on iTunes, never missing one single episode and listening to the archives. I appreciate it, everybody. All right, as promised, after the last show, Chris said he would come back and do the next show with me as well. So, everybody, it's Chris once again.
1: Hi, I'm here Yes Still here
0: And Chris, when we first started podcasting Way, 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 way back Yes What was this, like, 08? '08. Yeah. Yeah, beginning of 08 Or like the spring Like
1: spring to summer, yeah
0: Yeah, we, we started a show called the Wrestling House Show Which we are still doing to this day even though it's not weekly. A little less we,
1: often. A little sporadic. It's, but, yeah.
0: it's been very sporadic, which any long-time listeners, we do apologize. Our heart is still in it, for sure. We, yeah. We're kind of rebranding it right now. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be great. It's still great. I still love doing it. Like I, I know that sounds like I'm qualifying, but no. <laughs> it's, it's, I love doing the show. Uh, we're pro-wrestling fans, and like I said, this is going to be and Wrestling Strikes 10. Yes. And because it is our Super Bowl week, weekend... Week if week, you're going. Yeah. If you go out there, it's a week. Right. But uh, it's WrestleMania season. And even if you live under a rock or don't even give a shit about wrestling, you're going to know that it's happening because the hype is going to be there. Right. It's some sort of form of mainstream media, whether it's a late-night talk show or, you know, your CNNs, your Good Morning Americas. Right. Somebody's going to have a bit on it somewhere. You yeah, know, It's going to be yeah. trending worldwide. You know it's going to be the number one trend that day. Oh, yeah. That's all important nowadays, like all right? All day, because they
1: got programming like all day pretty much on, yeah. on Sunday this year. They got it the really network. is
0: like the Super Bowl now. Yeah, it's, it's so, <laughs> so
1: much. It's going to be like a noon start time, probably. Something like that, because they've got two hours pre-show, then the show that's like four, then an hour or two after. Yeah. Like,
0: jeez. Yeah. It's crazy. But we have this network thing. I'm sure you've been hearing about it, the WWE Network. It's crazy. It's a everything i could have dreamt about as a wrestling fan as a kid (laughs) and then some oh my god but all that glomming aside and i said this on the last show whether or not you are a fan of wrestling i think that i have put together a show that you can get behind this is going to be uh you know i'm going to be diplomatic here and see if you can find some merit here an
1: ambassador if you will thank you
0: yes I, i try to be yes so how am I going to do that, Chris? I don't know how
1: you're going to do that, Joey.
0: I'm going to tell you. Now, you know, wrestlers use licensed songs to come out now. Right. They're, they're fanfare, if you will. Just like, you know, basketball, baseball players do it now. I mean, I think because of wrestling, honestly. Eh, you know? Maybe. And, uh, But just beyond that, beyond using bands, you know, and licensed music, this right. is going to be strictly songs written by performed by or written for a wrestler. Gotcha. So no pre-made songs that wrestlers just use. Exactly. All right. They have to be directly for them. Right. Alright. So, we're going to go all the way back to the early days of rock and roll, or at least in the 60s. Yeah. A band called the Gentries. Now, the Gentries, they're a one-hit wonder in the States. They had a million-selling single called keep on dancing that's gonna be the first song we play here tonight now the co-lead vocalist in the band even though he plays on the track he's not the singer for this particular track actually the guitar players for some reason who wasn't the lead singer right it's weird no but just the fact that uh jimmy hart the mouth of the south as he's known to wrestling fans and a wwe hall of famer now legendary manager, had the megaphone, maybe you know him even if you're not a fan because of that pit. If you ever
1: watched wrestling like in throughout the, the years, and especially the 80s, yeah. yeah, you probably have at least seen him. He's a guy with the huge megaphone and the, the outlandish uh, uh, coats, like suit coats, all the time.
0: Yeah, he had those like, uh, what do you call them, like spray... Like, airbrushed. Airbrushed yeah. ring jackets, yeah. And like I said, he's a major part of professional wrestling, and he was in this band of gentry, so... That's how we're gonna kick off the show here tonight. This is this song is gonna be kind of the one that sticks out like a sore thumb. Right. But it's a cool song. And like I said, it was a million seller and it did wonders for him. So here you go. Kicking off our Rock and Wrestling Strikes 10 show. This is the Gentries with Keep On Dancin'.
2: I keep on dancing
0: the show here today with an oddball but a song that was huge if you were around in 1965 it reached number four and like I said it sold a million copies of that record Uh that was Keep On Dancing by the Gentries featuring Jimmy Hart and the band there somewhere doing some backup vocals actually but he was the co-lead singer of the group officially Gotcha. and they wound up playing those Dick Clark shows, like the traveling festivals, like right. we talk about, like on that thing you do, that yeah, kind of stuff. <laughs> that, yeah. The Galaxy of the Stars, yeah. right? But they opened for the Beach Boys and what? Sonny and Cher. I mean, so there were no, nice. there were no lightweights there, to maybe coin a wrestling term. But yeah. uh, <laughs> so he was actually kind of a rock star. Yeah, uh, they were in a movie in 1966 called It's a Bikini World, probably <laughs> playing Captain Geach of the Shrimp Shack. Sh- All right. Yeah, you know, and, and that was, like I said, that was their only big hit. The other singles they tried afterwards didn't do as well. Uh, but, you know, they they stuck around here. And Jimmy actually reunited the band here and there and actually used to play after the wrestling shows when he mm-hmm. was already in the business. So. Gotcha. Yeah, and and, the cool
1: thing about Jimmy Hart, I don't know if you're going to mention it, but yeah. that when he became like this legendary manager or just a manager at the time i guess back in the 80s he started writing songs for the other wrestlers throughout the wwf and then the e and in the other companies he went to in wcw he wrote some of those too didn't he? absolutely yeah. yeah so he's been writing consistently throughout his wrestling career as well
0: absolutely yeah, there's not enough space on the show to put his three count theme on there. But <laughs> right, he, he did Shawn Michaels' sexy boy theme yeah. song. He did Teddy DiBiase's money 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 song. Yeah, you know, like so, some very memorable songs for us fans. Right. So, yeah, he's he's the man. So, moving on here, we're getting all the way up into the early '80s, Chris. And this is actually pre Rock and Wrestling connection, the MTV crossover. This is before right. this. This is like a year or two before this. So, and anybody in this business gives credit to these guys now wrestlers started to come out to music even as early as like the 70s right but they were using known songs here and there flair rick flair the nature boy started Mm -hmm. using the 2001 theme sergeant slaughter started using like a a marine corps drill song right so it was but it was like known stuff but not everybody did it it was just a few guys here and there just a few guys here and there yeah Somebody finally had the wherewithal to be like, "I'm going to write a song, I'm going to sing it, and I'm going to sing my own theme song and bring it out," mm. and that changed the entire course of how they perceive the entertainment aspect of right. the pro wrestling business. It's it's entertainment anyway. Right. It's a combination of athletics and entertainment. But bringing the rock and roll into wrestling, the first shot fired was by the fabulous Freebirds. Nice. By way of Atlanta, Georgia, they called it Bad Street USA. <laughs> And that's actually the name of the song we're going to play as well. Michael Hayes, the leader of the fabulous Freebirds, got a band together, wrote the song, performed a song, even put out a single, like a right. 12-inch with this. He did a cover of Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town. Oh, he's, I didn't know he's, that. He's put out a few yeah. other songs, yeah. but uh, because uh, using the Freebirds as a vehicle to also become a rock and roll star. Because if you know anything about Michael Hayes, he's a rock star trapped in a wrestler's body. Right. He's a crazy, crazy party guy. Yeah. So and he's got a massive ego, the, the the perfect archetype for a the sex drugs and rock and roll guy of the eighties. Yeah, right, yeah, so, definitely. Here you go. This is the song that kicked off why they use rock and roll to this day. This is the template. This is Bad Street USA by Michael Hayes.
2: could make it down on our block But I'll never forget it that endless driver say Someone should have told me those boys about Bass Street USA So don't you come and look On this side town Cause this is where the fever's living but everything's going down If you don't know by right now We always get our way That's the way it is Down here on Bass Street USA Backstreet, Atlanta, all you
0: there you go that was michael hayes with bad street usa like i said the song that kicked off rock and wrestling from 1984 an entire year before the rock and wrestling connection like really hit peak yeah it was so and and made his name really uh even even after he was in the awa which was a minnesota territory in the 80s came down here to dallas which was a big deal came out here and the Freebirds were the foil, the the main villains in the feud versus the beloved Von Erich right. family. Yeah, so I didn't
1: get out to a lot of like local shows, but I knew who the Von Erichs and the Freebirds were. Yeah, at, when I was a kid, at yeah. that time, yeah. you couldn't
0: help it down here. They yeah. the Von Erichs. It's like what uh, Steve Austin said on Chris Jericho's podcast. He was like, "The Von Erichs were as big or bigger than any rock stars in the state of Texas." Oh easily. yeah, yeah, so. easily. So that was a big deal. They used to, and uh, they Carrie Von Erich used to come out to uh, Tom Sawyer by Rock. I remember that. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> his theme song. <laughs> All right, moving on here, and here's a case of hey, something's happening here, and now the established musicians are coming in and doing work for WWF at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that was one of the main producers and had an interesting career in the 80s because he was a lot more of a solo success in the 70s as a guy named Rick Derringer. Mm -hmm. Rick Derringer, as everybody would know, is the guy that did rock and roll Mm Hoochie Coo. Yes. And, you know, consistently toured through the 70s. Big name. 80s comes around, and he he starts to do more producing, uh, guest starring, playing session work for other bands, and I don't know how it happens, but it leads into him working with WWF at the Mm -hmm. time. He also produced all the Weird Al records in the 80s. Oh, so, really? There's a fun fact huh. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every single one of them in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah. So, Rick Darren. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I have to say this. Uh, also, ghost player on a couple of Kiss albums. Okay. <laughs> all right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so. He starts uh, writing some stuff for WWF, and he winds up churning out probably the most famous song in the history of the company, Real American, oh, which wound yeah. up being Hulk Hogan's theme song, which was not written originally for Hulk Hogan. A lot right. of people may not know that. It was written for a tag team called the U.S. Express yeah. after they disbanded. I guess it was like, oh, hey, that's a good song. We should keep it. Yeah, right. we, we got this this major name, yeah. it's a ca- it's actually it's a catchy song. Yeah. It really is. Yeah,
1: it's like this guy likes America. Let's just give him that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm a real American. Yeah. I didn't even say real Americans, right? <laughs> because it's written for two guys. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. But Rick Derringer, that's that's easily in the top five most recognizable wrestling themes ever. For sure. Yeah. We're not going to play that because <laughs> even on this kind of a show, I'm not going to go that obvious, right? I have to go with a personal favorite. Now, they put out the wrestling album in 1987, which was the first album ever put out specifically for pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. That was also a big deal. But it was just, you know, there was some Rick Derringer production in there, but it was mainly just the wrestlers singing, you know, doing, like, kind of funny bits. Uh, They did covers of Land of a Thousand Dances. Yeah uh you know so it, it was it was a goofy campy record but it was it was fun they put out a sequel called pile driver the wrestling album too mm-hmm. now they've already done real american which was on the first wrestling album so it's like okay of course we want rick to write another song for somebody to get him over okay. uh you know maybe take him to that next level and i do believe they did this is one of those cases where i think the song really did help the act i i was a uh, not a fan at the time because they were bad guys but now I'm a huge fan of this Mm -hmm. tag team called Demolition Ah. and Rick Derringer probably wrote the heaviest song in the history of the genre (laughs) Uh, way uh, you know the wrestling genre you mean yeah Yeah, the wrestling rock and roll wrestling genre (laughs) until way, way way years later but I'll discuss that later but this was the heaviest song for the longest time. Yeah. So I gotta play it here on the show. This is one of my favorites. And actually with background vocals by the actual wrestlers that competed mm. as Demolition, Axe and Smash. Nice. So here you go. This is Rick Derringer with a killer riff. This is Demolition. <laughs> That song that always takes me to a nice place in my youth. There you go. That was yeah. Rick Derringer with Axe and Smash of Demolition yeah. with Demolition. A little right. redundant, right? But a little
1: redundant. Yeah, I think it's funny how Axe and Smash, but in the song they're Axe and Smasher, just because he has to rhyme Smasher with Disaster, yeah. which doesn't really even rhyme. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's groundbreaking stuff at the time, though. And rhyming Homer with Homer. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned that. He, uh, you know, he did Real American. He did this song. If you want to hear something really crazy, also on that wrestling album, Volume Two, Piledriver, he actually does a re-recorded version of Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. Really? But this time around, it's a duet with famed announcer Mean Gene Okerlund oh, sharing wow. co-lead vocals. You have to hear it. I don't to know believe if it. I have to hear that or not. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just watch the video on yeah, YouTube, yeah. which is. Way worse, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, wrestling house show fans know how big of a fan of Mean Gene I am. Yeah, so. I,
0: I, I like Mean Gene, but yeah, he's uh <laughs> We've been watching some of the old shows. He's a little overbearing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I. Uh, just looking up some facts on him while we were listening to that, and then I mentioned he produced Weird Al records in the eighties. Yeah. he played the solo on "Eat It." <laughs> <laughs> that's how, crazy. How great is that? Yeah. And that's that's a great note for note. Uh, you know replicated Eddie Van Halen over yeah. there. Great stuff. Alright, and that was from 1988. I need to say that officially. Like I said, the Piledriver record. It's massively out of print. Actually, it's never been pressed on CD ever. Oh, okay. It was only put out on a, uh, cassette, I oh, believe. Oh, really? Yeah. I had to obtain that through somewhat shady channels.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Black Market? Is that what you mean? Yeah, maybe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: But it wasn't I, even on
1: vinyl or anything?
0: No. Just cassette? I think it was cassette, but it was packaged in a vinyl-sized uh, Okay, that's know, why jacket. I'm thinking
1: that, because I've, I've seen the big
0: picture. Was yeah. it Hulk's face on it? Yeah, Yeah. Hulk Hogan's face in a hard hat. Even yeah. though Hogan has... Barely anything to do with the album, but it's Hulk right. Hogan. He's the face yeah, of the company. Pi-
1: yeah, because that was from like the driver video, wasn't it? Yeah, but he's, he's not even the singer. In no, the... it's Coco Beware, yeah. who's
0: a great singer. He was a he was a gospel singer yeah. in his own right. <laughs> 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 Hogan literally has like three lines on the album, and it's during the the big various artists sing off at right. the end. If you, if you only knew, yeah, well, it's Hogan though. Yeah, it's Hogan.
1: Still putting his face all over everything.
0: Yeah, still sticking his butt and everything. <laughs> but yeah. We are of the wrestling fandom a small percentage, apparently, that are just... You know, yeah, when we were kids, sure, great. Yeah, I was in Hogan. Yeah, we were all in Hogan. But we grew up, and I feel like uh, I really never went back to (laughs) Hogan. I I do hate the fact that Hogan is the face of the business. Because, I mean, you know, I, I get that he sold a lot of tickets. Right. But it's just like, he's that guy, like the one that everybody knows right. so it's like oh you like wrestling you, you must like Hulk Hogan so I'm like no yeah. <laughs> but you can't really go further than that you just make yeah. them confused and right. and have them tilt their head when you say that
1: Yeah. and then they're not even listening to you anymore yeah, anyway. yeah exactly because so, that's all they know yeah, I'm moved on already what are you still talking about it for <laughs>
0: yeah exactly uh, speaking of moving on we're going to jump way 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 out pretty much almost like ten years after this uh, but we're sticking with the metal you know the, the hard rock sound yeah And they they didn't really do much in the way of crossing over with artists pretty much after that. Right. They just stuck to their in-house composer. There's a guy named Jim Johnston. We should give a shout-out to him, who has written probably about 99% of the stuff that they've done over the years. Whether it's good or bad, he's written them all. And that's a job I would love to have. Yeah. He's been the in-house composer for WWE since 1987. Wow. And still wow. doing it. Yeah, he said they started out in a church studio in a basement. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and and now He's
1: he... still cranking out like the number one hits, too. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it? Fandango's like, last year that reached yeah. number one on something, some yeah. chart somewhere. Yeah.
0: One uh, like, other European iTunes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like <laughs> something that. Something crazy like that. Uh, good stuff. We'll, we'll cross over occasionally. Okay, well, I'll mention this whenever CM Punk, uh, famed modern world champion, CM Punk, straight edge superstar, he comes back from his uh, very quick sabbatical and then all of a sudden starts using Cult of Personality by Living Color as his right. theme song broke into the iTunes like top 50 that week. Oh, did it? Yeah, so there is some power there. Yeah. So I, I love that when when things like that happen. Right. So, and Living Color played WrestleMania last year, played yes, him out. Yes, they did. It was a great moment. Alright, but we're going to about 1997 and by this point, WWE has already started their weekly juggernaut show, Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I'm gonna sound like a Kool-Aid drinker here, but it is a fact. It is the longest running show ever. Longest it has...
1: running weekly episodic show on TV. <laughs>
0: Action adventure scripted show. Yeah. <laughs> More episodes than Gunsmoke now. I mean, that's that's, it? It? that's a big deal, right? <laughs> I mean, it's been going on for 21 years now. Yeah. Pretty much without missing a week, I can't even remember yeah. a week that they've missed. Yeah, Exactly. I mean,
1: the, they've had on, some repeats a couple times. Yeah, but,
0: even when it's repeat, it's like a best of the year. Yeah. That's like the only week they ever take off right. like at the end of the year, it's maybe like Christmas, maybe. And they, they haven't, haven't really been lately. doing that that much lately. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they produce what like how many original hours per week? At this oh, point, it's, it's ridiculous. Ri- yeah, it's
1: crazy with the network now. I can't even tell so, you.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's jumped way beyond. Yeah. That, but okay going back to the early days of Monday Night Raw we're about 4 or 5 years in and they start producing these really it went from like generic open like with you know weird loud colors to like grittier like like buildings that produce fire and sparks like an 80s metal oh, yes. video open right. like you know but it was edgy for that business right and they're like they wanted a theme song to match it so they went out and basically got a bunch of guys to create a one-off metal supergroup of like hardcore new york metal artists and so they got people from anthrax typo negative propane biohazard sabotage and they did this one song which became the theme song to monday night raw for like at least two or three years before they changed it and they did two songs on this album called full metal which it's kind of funny because the album is not full metal it's two metal songs, and then eight Jim Johnston songs of, like, different genres of music, (laughs) (laughs) depending on who your personality is. Whatever. But whatever. But I think it's pretty cool. I didn't even realize this until maybe about, you know, a couple years into them using the song, because I didn't have the CD originally. Mm -hmm. But finding out that all this time, the riff I was hearing every week on Monday Night Raw was Scott Ian of Anthrax. (laughs) Awesome. So that's what you're going to hear on this song. So officially... It's the Slam Jam Band, John Oliva, who's the lead singer of Sabotage, okay. Scott Ian on guitar, of course, I mentioned him, Kenny Hickey, guitar, guitar for Typo Negative, and some other guys. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know after the song All here. Right. I do have to look those up, so I'm admitting it. But here you go. This is the longtime theme song to Monday Night Raw called We're All Together Now. There you go. That was the Slam Jam Band featuring cameos by Bret the Hitman Hart, Diesel, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, Undertaker and Paul Bearer <laughs> who provides a menacing laugh at the end of that song which he never did. All right. I can't and, remember him ever doing that. He's he'll speak in a menacing tone, but he right. never goes uh, Yeah, uh. he
1: never laughs. He's not that evil laugh guy. He's yeah. just I'm going to hurt you and yeah. Well, take I you guess, to hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he does. But he doesn't laugh about it. He just does it.
0: Yeah. I'll take you to hell. I go there all the time. That's right. what I do <laughs> <with> The Undertaker. <laughs> all right. I think even casual observers know The Undertaker, so it's yeah. pretty, pretty iconic. Uh, but like I said, very cool assembled one time act there. I like the fact that they kept it all into basically the New York City area, so that's kind of cool. Mm. They used to do Raw like every week, or they used to take every time they did Raw mm. initially, it was always at the Manhattan Center in New York, uh, so yeah. it gave it that feel of just one place. Right. Because it was one place.
1: Yeah. yeah. It had had the
0: same look. I mean, now all the arenas look the same. Yeah. It was kind of cool that they had, like, a home base for a while. Yeah. All right. We are moving on here. Sticking, actually, with another Monday Night Raw theme. This is tough because, you know, I'm getting into geek mode. But if I had to pick one theme, I think this might actually be the one. I think this is my favorite Raw theme. No disrespect to the last song, but it, it... it was by a, a band that actually was on a major label, but this song was written specifically for Monday Night Raw. Gotcha. It was on the Forcible Entry record in 2001, and they used it quite a few years, probably about at least three, I would, I would mm. say. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, a band, honestly, a band I wasn't a huge fan of, and I think this is the best song they ever did. Right. <laughs> uh, but a band called the Union Underground. I remember, I think I like got the CD and I played it in the car with you. And I was like, this is going to be the new theme from Raw. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. You turn it up really loud. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. And it always got me pumped up every week. So, yeah. What do you think about this song, Chris?
1: Yeah, it, like you said, it's probably the most memorable that I can... Uh, I, that last one, that was around the time when I first started watching again after I had taken a break from being a kid. Yeah, I think um, these might be tied I don't really yeah. know about it, but... Uh I was this this one coming up is probably the one I remember the most though. It's it's most tied to raw and wrestling really with me.
0: Yeah. And the ones they've been using lately are terrible. Yeah. Nickel like Nickelback Back did yeah. one. Oh, and Papa Roach. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: probably both of their best songs.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you had to put a gun to your head. Yeah. yeah,
1: but that's not saying much.
0: Yeah. But let let's concentrate on the good here. Uh one of our favorite raw themes ever of all time and just a really cool song. Like if you're if you're listening to this show when you work out or go jogging or whatever, then this is gonna get you going. So here you go. This is across the nation by the Union Underground.
2: Knock get the gods! The drugs from my Generation I'll take the fall. The Saints! The gods of fake the fraud! The message with me!
0: Right, Chris, there you go. You feeling feeling pumped up? Sure. Feeling all jacked? <laughs> I guess. No, I, I'm not trying to make fun, but like yeah. this, is, this is the era we're getting into. Here, yeah. So.
1: Yeah, they actually had a show called Jacked. Yeah, they did. And Metal. <laughs>
0: yeah. And Metal. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the weekend yeah. shows. Yeah. yeah, that was Union Underground, based out of San Antonio, Texas. Not together anymore. I found out that that actually, like, whatever the rock singles charts mean, even post-2000, they don't right. mean much, but... Yeah. It, it came in at number 29, so there you hey. go. Uh, like I said, they broke up. Uh, the bass player currently plays in a, a supergroup of sorts called Adrenaline Mob, for those of you out there. I'm sure you know who they are. That
1: band sounds terrible, ju- judging by the name. It's a
0: terrible name. Uh, Mike Portnoy was in the first lineup of oh, the right band. Right. Uh, he, and they replaced him just recently due to forming... Twelve bands a week, right? Uh, but now A. J. Perot of Twisted Sister is their mm. current drummer. So th- it. it's it's different eras of metal guys. Right. Actually, it's like young, old, you know. But cool. they, they they sound a lot better than their name. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That was once again Union Underground with across the nation. Moving on here. Now I remember this, Chris. I'm gonna have a geeky wrestling nostalgia moment here with Chris and everybody out there. So please come along with me one of my favorite wrestlers and the dawn of the new millennium and and now i'm not so much a fan anymore But back then the guy was triple h hunter yeah. you're
1: yeah. a bigger fan than i was yeah but yeah i was a yeah.
0: fan i mean chris jericho was kind of always going to be my favorite right. from that era for sure right but i was a big triple h mark and uh, he had like a he, He was doing a program with Stone Cold Steve Austin where they were feuding on TV and yeah, everybody's into Austin. So I kind of, I think that's another reason why I kind of resisted Austin for the longest time because right. he was so popular. Yeah, I mean, it I, so I
1: know that's why I I resisted him.
0: Yeah, it sounds so douchey now, but <laughs> but especially at the time, he would start feuding with guys that I really liked. Yeah. So it was easier for me to root against him.
1: Well, well and the fact that he was a jerk, but people liked him. I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the antihero. Yeah. It was
0: definitely the era of the anti-hero. Yeah. Triple H filled that bill as well. Not not to the degree that Austin did. Right. You can't ever argue that he did because right. he didn't. Austin sold way more tickets and he's definitely not icon. If anybody challenged Hogan's throne, it's Austin. Right. And I believe he actually did make more money for the company than Hogan did. Yeah. I truly believe that. Uh but going back to Triple H, he was feuding with Austin and I guess they took him off Sometimes you take a guy off TV for like a month or a few weeks to sell an injury. Right and he came back and jumped Austin at the end of a show and I was like yeah you know I was like mm-hmm. that was great what a great ending you know yeah. and everybody in the crowd was like boo yeah. and then he he stands like on top of the table or something uh, holding probably holding a sledgehammer in sure, the air all defiantly yeah. a sledgehammer he never like really bashed anybody Takes his Chainsaw masker style with but he would always hit him with the butt end of it he
1: kind of did it to Shawn Michaels that one time when he returned but yeah. it was in the back so you couldn't see what couldn't happened see it, yeah so.
0: Uh, which sounds so graphic and horrible, but yeah. like I said, the sledgehammer was never really used to its full, right. you know, crazy... Because you'd
1: split people's heads open.
0: Yeah, or like like I said, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where that guy just becomes a blithering, you know, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> after he gets hit in the head with it. Anyway, right. so he's standing defiantly on top of the table, holding a sledgehammer, and all of a sudden, I hear Motorhead. Right. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so... Apparently, he struck up a friendship with Lemmy, and he was like, "Hey, would you write a song for for my character and they did, and they started they still use it to this day yeah. it's such a great song uh the game, or at least it's a great song for pro wrestling right, right. it's memorable people know it like you know instantly yeah. when it comes on and this kind of is an ongoing relationship slash friendship between yeah. Triple H and Lemmy to the point where Motorhead is now composed three different songs for him over a period of time right they always go back to that original one more often than not but there are two other songs that he has written that they use right now for the sake of anybody who is a fan out there i'm going to spare you the game we're (laughs) not going to play that we're also not going to play king of kings because i don't think that's as good of a song that's all right uh but whenever he formed the group evolution back in 2003 i want to say something like that uh, and it was Evolution. It was a great idea for a wrestling group because it was the uh, the old timer in Ric Flair, right. the current champion Triple H, and then the two young guys, the future of the business, Randy Orton and Batista. So Evolution, correct. And then Evolution always passes you by when they beat you. Correct. It was it was a, it was a great idea. Cool. Great group. And this is the Evolution theme song, written and performed by Motorhead. My favorite. Uh, Of the three Motorhead songs, I think. So here you go. This is Line in the Sand. in the sand by motorhead from the 2004 release called theme addict which was wwe the music volume six mm-hmm. officially i failed to mention this when i was talking about the game song earlier is that uh some of you longtime listeners and friends of the show may actually get a kick out of the fact that when you're listening to the song the game one of the guitarists besides phil campbell for motorhead is also bob Kulick. Oh, no. uh, also known as Bruce Kulick's brother, who's also Ghost Ace, nice <laughs> for some of you. So yeah. there you go. Fun fact: he might be on that track. I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, they always use Bob Marlette to produce those songs, and he he's in with Bob Kulick, so it's very possible that Bob either produced this song or played on it. Still, yeah, so, possibly. There you go. All right, next song, Chris. This is a band that longtime listeners and friends of the show will know as well, just like Motorhead. A band that has been endorsed by Motorhead. <laughs> a band I'm a big fan of, and was very happy to find out that they had composed an original song, not just a throwaway song, but a song written specifically for a wrestler in WWE. I'm talking about a band called Airborne, ah. and on the music volume 8, skipping to 8, yeah. <laughs> uh, they did a song for a guy named Mr. Kennedy at the time, who oh, yeah. is now known as Mr. Anderson because he switched companies, so right. he League got a... You gotta do the thing where you change the name Unless you happen to own it legally Which is rare
1: Rare, especially these days You were talking about WWE having their own in-house guy to write stuff That's part of their want of owning everything that they use And of course they'll they'll copyright Even guys that are on the indie scene They come into WWE Nine times out of ten Or even more than that They'll copyright that name if they want to
0: use it Yeah, exactly and the thing I love the most, especially this is a this is a cool theme song, and it was a it was a great use of the guy. I was I, I thought that Mr. Kennedy was going to be a big deal in WWE. It wasn't in the cards for him. Uh, apparently, politics got a hold of him. Eh, so backstage he politics. He got yeah. fired. But the funny thing is, he goes over to the rival company TNA, and they change his name, of course. But the funny thing about it is his theme song. They used an almost complete replicant of this All song. Right. I mean, it's. You would think it was the exact same song. It's so blatant. But uh, that's how cool this song is. So, here you go. (laughs) You're going to enjoy it right now. This is Airborne with Turn Up the Trouble. Chris, there you go. That was Turn Up the Trouble by Airborne, Australia's Hard Rock Mavens. <laughs> Airborne. Love those guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was trying to find some stuff that represented some of the new charge. You know, it's not so, like, hey, by the time we're doing this, it's not even cool anymore, which wrestling kind of does sometimes when they embrace certain pop culture aspects sometimes mm. it's just way past like oh, I, yeah, I always know sure. if a catchphrase is out of date yeah. whenever I hear it usually on WWE yeah. <laughs>
1: definitely yeah <laughs> it was it like Brodus Clay kept doing the, the uh, um, Gangnam Style dance for like yeah. he didn't even <laughs> for start for until like six months after it had hit it had become yeah. viral and it was already dead like Four months before that, <laughs> but he kept doing it for a year.
0: Yeah, and then someone said no one's got time for that, like, yeah. six months ago. Like, yeah. oh, my God. Okay. Like,
1: like, again, like, two months after it was already yeah. viral, and yeah. in the internet world, like, two weeks after it's already old news. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But, you know, we're being critical, but they're... That's funny. It's, it's a consistently entertaining product for the most part, yeah. you know, and that's why we stick with it, and it's our male soap opera. I'm sure you've heard that from Defenders as well. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I will say in defense that is not as known on a mainstream basis is how important the women are to the business, and not just as a showpiece. Right? Uh, you know, it's it's seen. I think the public perception as the valet, the TNA aspect.
1: Right. Well, and uh, back in the late '90s, th- that's what the WWE promoted them yeah. as. Oh, yeah. Pretty much exclusively.
0: Absolutely. And you know there have been some massively talented women that have broken through even the ones that are pretty face they've been able to get past that point to where they're they're actually really good wrestlers and they can do more than just that too like mickey mickey james she put out a a couple of country records now she's doing it on her own like as an independent artist and she is committed and she's doing it and great for her right i was kind of doing some digging chris there's more examples than just her so thankfully yeah. we're not gonna play some country music here on the show <laughs> don't worry it's modern country I, I love you mickey i'm just not a big country fan especially right. modern country Yeah. but uh you one of these next two are gonna be women in the business chris yeah. and one of them you're gonna know as as a performer right. a, in a band but i'm gonna play that one after this one. this one this one's gonna throw you off a little bit okay someone who actually was playing the ditzy character and apparently, once she used to be in WWE, once she got free, it seems like she's been kind of doing stuff on her own, independently, and really becoming uh, this multi-talented person. Now, I'm talking about a lady named Maria Kanellis. Oh, yeah? She is now working for a, a great independent promotion in wrestling called Ring of Honor, and apparently between since her WWE release and her current Ring of Honor run, she's managed to put out some music. I... Kind of,
1: we vaguely remember hearing something about that, but I've never heard, heard any anything she's done.
0: Yeah, it's kind of modern hard alternative type stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, in my, I, I actually went ahead and just picked up the whole EP. I legally downloaded it off of <laughs> iTunes. You can find this thing out there. I like how you qualified it with I, legally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, we legally bought the Jillian Hall Christmas album. I mean, well, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> no problem. Jillian Hall, by the way, was a female wrestler whose gimmick was that she was a bad singer. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. It's great. great. I listen
1: to that every year. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs>
0: it's great stuff. If uh, you want to bombard somebody that is your enemy during yeah. Christmas time, get the Jillian Hall. Uh, was it a Jingle with Jillian Christmas Somet- Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. Yeah. Uh, but let, let's get to something, once again, more positive. So here you go. This is the first for you, Chris. You're going to be listening cold. This is Maria Canellis. And this song is called Fantasy.
2: This is my battle, I'm already in heaven. I am the goddess. This is a dream. My love is immortal. In this fight, I'm on stop
0: there you go from the 2010 EP called Seven Sins that was Maria Kanellis and I guess I should probably do do her a solid here you spell it K-A-N-E-L-L-I-S yes that's probably important sure yeah so there you go so if you like that you can get the EP on iTunes I think it's like three or four bucks something yeah. Like that. but uh, Man, yeah
1: cool not bad yeah, yeah first time
0: I ever heard that so yeah it's yeah. better than average of the stuff you hear on like you know like the edge stations yeah, in the right. world yeah right for sure. I mean, it would, it would fit in well on those. And yeah. It would be a cut above. Right. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a nice surprise, so I wanted to include it here on the show. That's cool. Uh, sticking with the powerful and empowered ladies, moving on to a band that the lead singer is actually, uh, as of this year, going to be a WWE Hall of Famer, lady by the name of Lita. Yeah. Lita was a trailblazer. Uh, for women in professional wrestling, absolutely she is. I don't. I don't even think she realizes still how important she is to getting. Basically, her arrival in WWE signified that we've moved on from the bathing suit wrestling days to like actual. Hey, I can do these moves that the guys can do, and right. do them better. Yeah, you know, and that's what she represents. You know. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, she was doing. When she first came to WWE She was doing stuff That the guy that she She wasn't really a manager either She was never uh, uh, Portrayed as that She was More like a second Like she came out With this guy named Ese Rios Who was a a Mexican wrestler So he has that Luchador background So he does all these High flying moves And she would do A lot of them too
0: And she has a Luchador background too Because she started In Mexico Right so she brought a lot of that here and yeah. the other thing she brought was the, the punk rock aspect, the style, the yeah. attitude yeah. and she's a legitimate fan she used to go on tour with punk rock bands so she sticks uh, to the WWE, she's there for like 8 years yeah, something uh, like that. as a full time wrestler and uh, when she leaves you know, she, she left uh, by her own free will she was not fired and she started a band full time called the Lucha Gores. Uh, punk rock, mostly punk rock, a little bit of psychobilly, the imaging. It's it's that kind of zombie chic, right? but also, you know, obviously it was smart to kind of tie in the wrestling thing with the the name Lucha But, you know, I I finally checked the stuff out a little while ago, and I actually really liked it. You, You can hear her voice in it. She's the lead singer. Right. So it's just punk rock, you know vocal styles but it it kind of it has a little bit of a distillers thing but even going all the way back to like you know like a holly and the italians like that kind of stuff Uh, yeah I I think it's a pretty cool band they only have the one album out but I I do recommend it so especially if you like the genre but uh, another great representation of the pro wrestling world and hey they're not just one dimensional Uh, this is a true original here this is Lita with her band the Luchagores and this is Daddy's Girl
2: Off the train last Tuesday packing up to start a new day I got nothing to lose I ain't no daddy's good
0: self-titled debut album from 2007 that was the Lucha Gores with Daddy's Girl go check it out that album was actually produced by Rachel Bolin who is the current and longtime bass player for Skid Row hmm. and uh, definitely has an ear for punk rock he's a big fan he actually turned me on to some bands that I really like now and uh, I was just you know doing some checking up on him with the almighty Wikipedia and according to them uh the album itself that's on iTunes it's sold about ten thousand downloads, which is really nice. good and respectful for an independent artist Chris one of those guys that happened to download it is one of our favorite people, a guy by the name of Tim Armstrong, oh yeah, and Tim liked what he heard nice. and apparently they're working on a second record being produced oh, by yeah? Tim Armstrong that's awesome so there you go Tim also a, a you know a known uh a known friend of CM Punk. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. yeah but, uh, hey, maybe a Luchagore CM Punk collaboration now
1: that Punk's yeah. status is up in the air <laughs> yeah, with WWE. Yeah,
0: there you go. I know Lars from Rancid is is like best friends with CM Punk. Yeah. But obviously, Tim can't be far behind right. when it comes to that. Maybe so. he's hanging
1: out at the shows, which he does, and yeah, he knows him at least.
0: Yeah. So I like the tie in. I know that Lita and CM Punk are kind of a. They've been an on again, off again yeah. item, so I don't know what that status is, but maybe it's pretty good right now. <laughs> Seems knows? like it would be. Yeah, we're all speculating on their Specul- behalf. That, that's yeah. what pro wrestling fans do, by the way, especially uh, internet I know, wrestling fans. I know they do. All right, Chris, and for everybody out there, going to give you a nice. Uh, I think you've enjoyed some quality music tonight. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think you have. I Uh, think I have. Yeah. We got one more to go. This is a big reward for you that stuck with it to the end. It gave it a chance, and I really do appreciate it. Let me know what you liked and didn't like. I'm really curious, especially from the non-fans, you know. Yeah. But this last track, I think one of the true ambassadors of the business. Been one of my favorites pretty much since the day he debuted on my television screen. And to this day, still has his foot in the door, but man... He is one of the true Renaissance men of of pro wrestling. Talking about Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. the Ayatollah of rock and roll, Y yes. two J. Chris, what do, what do you what do you think of Chris Jericho,
1: <laughs> Jericho as as a man or just a, a, yeah. all of it? Uh, I mean, he's amazing. I mean, he does. He's one of those guys that it looks like he got into the wrestling business one because he loved it, and two just because he's a performer, and yeah. that's I think that's very apparent because he's got into acting, his web series. Um, but is, I'm Chris. But I'm Chris Jericho. Yeah, it's yeah. actually been nominated for some uh, like Web Awards. Yeah, uh, he's two-time,
0: toured. two-time best-selling author.
1: A two-time, yeah. Uh, he writes. He's got he, a third one on the way. Yeah, yeah. So three it, it's three
0: memoirs. Who do? It's like when it, Mick Foley it, right. wrote three books. Yeah. It's like, who do I think I am? Winston uh, he, Churchill or exactly. something.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and he has a podcast going on that's yeah. getting great. Uh, buzz about it too yeah. like people not just about wrestling i mean he has his wrestling buddies on there but yeah. it's R- anything on the stuff sun, yeah
0: actors he just had t- he had some nhl guys on there yeah um yeah talk is jericho podcast it got so popular so quick that he they automatically upped him from one show a week to two shows a week i mean it's ridiculous wow. yeah he's, he's hosted just, game shows he's hosted like he's just hosted anything a, you can think stuff of he's done that i want to do it's his yeah. inner david lee roth like i yeah. want i want to be a game show host too just yeah. like dave and chris Jericho. Yeah. I mean, so
1: it's it pretty much seems like whatever he wants to do he's like i want to do that this yeah. year and then he does it
0: and i think the thing he's probably the most proud of is the fact that he finally got to be the other thing he really wanted to be was a rock star yeah
1: he always was kind of a rock star in the wrestling world but then he actually got to do it for real
0: yeah so he started this cover band and when he was still in wcw world yeah. championship wrestling in the 90s he met some guys from a band called stuck mojo when they did a video for wcw so him and jericho started talking with those guys they formed a band called Fuzzy Osborne, which was a just for fun cover band and they play a lot of shows they got a lot of good response of course Smart of them, they would play shows like after the wrestling shows, like kind of an after-party kind of thing. Yeah, But they went over well, and they could find out, well, number one, they could play the songs. They would play stuff, you know, like The Motley Crue, Ozzy Osbourne, Twisted Sister, and it got over well. And Jericho, a natural frontman, a natural talent, actually really good singer, as it turns out. Besides the stage presence, the guy can sing, and he's only gotten better on the, on the vocal, you know. So there you go, I'm glomming. Jericho is one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, at
1: first it seemed kind of like kind of a goof, and I guess it kind of was. It was. I mean, judging by the name, Ozzy yeah. Osbourne. I mean, they were
0: obviously serious about the music, but as far as like making a career out of it, right. it was like, this is kind of a gimmick. Yeah. Just like wrestling. Yeah. But as time went on, they started writing originals. So they really faced that cover portion out, and plus the gimmick of the original band was that they used aliases. Right. And they had a whole storyline, you yeah. know, like... Uh, the the gimmick on Fozzie when they they shorted it to Fozzie there were some legal issues I think Uh, there were legal issues, they almost didn't get Fozzie yeah Obviously, still with that name, I don't think they're ever going to be See, taken seriously. I,
1: I, yeah, I've never liked Fozzie Osbourne was funny because you knew it was supposed to be a parody. Yeah, but if then you, ever you find, change find
0: the old shirts too, where it's got uh, Fozzie Bear holding the crucifix. Yeah. it's the Blizzard yeah. of Oz parody yeah. cover. It's a great photo. Go look But it up. then,
1: but then you shorten it just to Fozzie, and now it's just weird. It's yeah. like like the bear. Like I don't, I don't yeah. get it. That it's doesn't not, make sense.
0: It's not spelled the same way. It's spelled Fozzie, yeah. like but still, yeah, it doesn't. You know, I wonder if I, I wonder if they regret that, but yeah. I don't yeah. Know. But like I said, they they the, the the gimmick was is that they wrote all these songs back in the day. They got signed by a Japanese label, and they wrote all these great songs. And then they signed a bad deal, and all their songs wound up in these other bands' hands. Like, oh really? Like so, they are the ones that wrote Live Wire, and they're the ones that wrote Stay Hungry, Oh, and I they're gotcha. the ones yeah. that wrote Over the Mountain. So that was the bit on that yeah. balls to the wall that yeah, kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's like, okay, we'll just go and write our own songs now. Right. And uh, the first time around was taking the songs back, and then they finally realized, hey, maybe we should be serious about this if we want to play more shows. Right. And it, it paid off actually. They started writing to the point where it became all original material on their records. Yes. As of the third album it was all originals. Right. And then they started to get gigs. They played. They've played Download. They played Voc you know, like they played all the big European festivals, uh they even got on one of the ones over here uh as of like a year ago, mm-hmm. it's like one of those like mayhem festivals or whatever yeah, but uh so they they're doing that slow climb, but it's it's really paying off for'em, it's starting to get taken seriously a little bit yeah. But. I'm I'm building up the fact that they're writing originals now, but I'm actually going to play a cover. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But this was on the re-release of All That Remains, which was their first all-originals album, so when they changed labels, they they decided to throw a couple of bonus tracks in. So one of the things they had recorded was for a Judas Priest tribute album, uh, an album that I also have called Helmet for Leather, tribute to Judas Priest. Mm -hmm. Some great bands on there. But I really love this version you, you're never going to beat Judas Priest version of this because you know how can you tangle with the metal god Rob Halford but I think Jericho does it just fine so here you go closing out the show here tonight here is Fozzie's version of Priest's 1980 classic Metal Gods turn it up
2: we've taken thinking-
0: tonight with our big huge I want to say yearly tradition hopefully starting as of this year with the Rock and Wrestling Strikes uh, show the Wrestlemania tradition a new Wrestlemania tradition one yeah. of the many yes and that was Fozzy featuring the first ever Undisputed Champion Chris Jericho yes with his cover of Metal Gods I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that actually and Rich Ward was one of Dimebag Daryl's favorite guitar players in the entire world <laughs> so I think that's uh, good company there nice so there you go. You can find that, like I said, on the re-release of All That Remains by Fozzy or the Hilbert for Leather Tribute to Judas Priest. Like I said, I hope everybody's enjoyed the show here tonight. Chris, especially, I hope you've had a fun hour and a half or so with yeah, it me. Yeah, was
1: cool. It was like half stuff written for wrestlers and half stuff written by wrestlers. So yeah. It's kind of a cool little mix.
0: Yeah, That's probably as tight as I can get a list like that. Yeah, right. So I think in future years we're probably going to wind up picking from you know, licensed music that they have used, but, you know, it'll still be fun. Right. (laughs) You know, we'll see what I can do. But uh, until then, everybody, please go to cnjradio.com. Here comes Plug City. See if I can do this now. Home of the flagship, the wrestling house show, featuring myself and Chris. This show, Rock Strikes 10, The Synaptic, starring Randy Brown, a true alternative. You should definitely be listening to that show if you're a local person, Keep your eyes peeled to his Facebook page as well because he's announcing a synaptic concert. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, it's not the first either. Mm. So he's been building them up over the years. Uh, also, the brand new CNJ radio podcast called Last Theater on the Left, starring Chris and co starring myself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're two episodes in, so please get caught up on those because there's plenty more episodes to come. We'll be doing a new one this week. And did, did, did I get them all? I mean, we that's have it, yeah. four shows now. Good God. I don't even get hardly any sleep anymore. Do you?
1: I occasionally. Yeah. I take naps. Yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah. All right. Everybody else, I hope you enjoyed the show. Not sure what I'm doing next, but, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, that's a good... That's a I good, don't know what's happening. It's a good a tease as any. <laughs> all right. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Have fun. Bye. Oh
2: radio sound